same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. So my name's Grace. I'm currently a junior at Penn State University studying telecommunications and international relations. I was adopted from Nanning, China at a little over a year old. And I also have a podcast. It's sort of smaller, but it's been something that I've been doing for fun. I started it over quarantine, like I'm sure a lot of people start <laughs> podcasts. But it's called Made in China-ish because it's sort of how I felt going into college. It's mostly about transitioning into college as a Asian American adoptee and just figuring out your identity. I'm sure I've talked to a few people so far who felt very similar to myself. I felt very like lost, I guess, for lack of a better mm -hmm. terms when I first went because Penn State is really big. And then also diversity wise, it could be better as well. So growing up and having this notion that like, oh, I'm white, even though like I'm not really white, I just felt very in shock, I guess, that people expected other things from me than what I grew up experiencing. Did you grow up in Pennsylvania too? or? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up right outside of the Philadelphia area. I like to say I'm from Philly, but then I meet people who are actually from Philly and it becomes a whole thing. So right outside of Philly, <laughs> like everyone here at Penn State. Penn State's a beautiful, a beautiful campus. campus. It's really nice out here. It's quiet. It's more chill than I'm used to at home. So I don't know if I'd live out here, but for school to come out here for a few months out of the year, it's pretty nice. I have a really good friend passed her PhD, had her defense too. She's been living there for, I think, over do you have any siblings? Yeah, so I have two younger sisters. Um, one is Ellen, and she is 16. She's taking her driver's test tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I keep thinking about that. It's in the back of my head. <laughs> and she's also adopted from China. She's also from Nanning, but she's more from the urban area. I guess I'm from more of the rural area. Oh. And I have another younger sister who's 10. That's really bad. I should know the year. She's 10 years old. Um, she's 10 years younger than me, um, and she's biological to my parents. Oh, wow. Three girls. Yes, yeah, three girls. We look very interesting when we're walking around in public, and I'll be, like, I don't know, annoying, like, my youngest sister, and people get a little alarmed, like, oh, I'm like, that's fine. She's my sister. Person. I know. Who's this person, like, randomly, like, poking, like, a 10-year-old kid on the side of the road? That was just <laughs> me, my sister. An assumption that you babysitter or something. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. I used to... Um, pick her up a lot from her summer camp and I just felt like really awkward doing it I, I everyone has to show photo ID but for some reason it felt like a little weird I'd, I'd hand over my ID like oh, yeah that's my little sister and then like she'd come over and she'd like recognize me so I think it was a little less sketchy but part of it was just like odd are you all very close all three of you yeah I'd say I'm probably closer to Ellen just because we grew up together she's only like four years three years younger than me so, um, and we also are able to relate about being the whole adopted from China sort of oh, aspect. Yeah. I mean, not that Riley and I aren't close. It's just, it's hard to bond with someone who's 10 years younger than you. But right. I think Ellen and Riley are pretty good as well because I've been away at school and they've been living together. 
and then in the midst of pandemic great time for bonding i know especially when they're both doing online classes like a room over i can only imagine what's the situation for you because i know i believe you're the first person i'm really speaking classes have reached everybody it's been when there's a break yeah yeah what's your experience oh my gosh there's like so much to dive into here being at a very big school during a pandemic where they're still doing in-person classes I have one in-person class. The rest of mine are via Zoom. Um, I know my roommates have a few more in-person classes than I do. Um, it all depends on the professor and the size of the class. So my bigger lectures, like my econ lecture, and I think my telecommunication lecture are on Zoom, and there's like 300 people on those. But my smaller ones, it's interesting because no one ever turns on their camera. So I turn on my camera and like five other people turn on their camera and it's that you get to know the professor, which is nice, but also it's definitely a weird atmosphere. And then in my one in-person class, it's mixed mode. So you can zoom in if you want to, or you can go in in person. So I go in in person just to have social interaction, but essentially you walk in there and it's like a lecture hall, almost like a movie theater. And each of the, um, the seats are like, taped off so you can only sit like six feet apart from each other everyone has to wear masks and then you see like the zoom on the projector and the professor's trying to talk to the people on zoom and in the classroom it's interesting i saw a new york times article that ranked state college as like the number two fastest growing covid cases in like the metropolitan area oh and they, and that was the same day that they resumed big 10 football so it's a whole thing time up here in state college oh i bet big into football right yeah yeah football was kind of a controversial topic because the players i mean i don't think the players really have too much of a say but i know a lot of them were pushing for a season to happen because other conferences were having seasons but then you're just looking at the numbers and you're thinking to yourself i don't know how they can pull this off but i guess they did there's still no fans I think they're just going to have games at the stadium and they're going to play in front of cameras. I mean, I work for athletics, so I'll still get to go, which is fun. But it's going to be really weird because Beaver Stadium is just known for their fan base and for the energy that the crowd brings. So I'm interested to see how they play. So you work for athletics, international relations, and what was your other field of study? Um, International relations and telecommunications. Interesting because I'm technically a double major, but I mostly focus on my telecommunications major, which is like production, producing, and then I sort of tapped on the international relations one because I felt like I needed another major, which sounds weird. <laughs> when we spoke before, I you utilize your telecommunications production and athletics. At some I try to be athletic, but yeah, so I did track throughout middle school and then I went to high school and did cross country all four years and track as well, but I was a sprinter and a jumper, so that was a whole different ball game. But I came to Penn State and I knew that I needed to figure out some way to find people. I wasn't really big into the Greek thing. That's just not really my personality. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, I could do club cross country. That seems like a really cool group of people. I just won't do competitive. I'll go to practice, but I'll just pay $40 instead of the 50. And then I'll just have friends. And then I kept meeting new people. And I was like, are you doing competitive? And they're like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do competitive. So that was a really great way to meet people too, because you go to these meets, um, I think nationals. My freshman year was in Lexington, Kentucky. So that was like a nine hour Ooh. bus ride. 
nine hours there and then nine hours back and on the bus you get to meet so many different people but it's been club cross country has definitely been such a big part of my Penn State experience I mean I'm living with five other girls right now who I met on the club cross country team and that's definitely a majority of my friendship here at Penn State I mean I have other people outside of club XC I promise I swear um, even if it may not look like it but wanted to work in production and so I met a friend of mine through a different club that I was doing so I do 46 live which is the official Penn State Thon live stream which is like our dance marathon and he was like oh I work for athletics I could recommend you for this internship program that they have where you work the live streams for the different sports here and so I was like oh yeah sure I'll check it out and so I ended up getting the internship which was a really great experience it's very hands-on. They trust you with a lot for being an intern. Basically, everything on the Jumbotron and sometimes the live streams was done by students. So camera, technical directing, instant replay, all sorts of things. I learned so much. And I also just experienced a lot more Penn State athletics than football. And I feel like a lot of people here only really know football, but you get to have much more of an appreciation working volleyball or soccer. And you learn about all these different players at Penn State and you see them on campus you're like oh my gosh you're like the really good basketball player aren't you <laughs> and you sort of admire I loved like looking at all the football players in my communications classes because a lot of football players are communications majors I'd like stare from afar and I'd brag to all my friends <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah I know I think I might want to go into something when it, like athletics which would be really cool because I run and I also have knowledge in like live production with sports, mm -hmm. but honestly, I'd also just take any job on a college. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have another you more year left, and I think it may be a little bit more clear what you want to do. Yeah, I know. I know. Like the last year, I'm like very like I feel like I need to hunker down and figure out what I want to do. I'm in the sports journalism school here, so mm. I think that opens up a few more possibilities, especially with the Olympics. I know they do stuff with them. Not 100% sure it's happening in the coming years, but it's a great opportunity. So I'm excited to be a part of that. You definitely sound more grounded in what you want to do. You're making great progress. Thank you. I've been trying and trying. It's really cool that you were able to find friends through an activity you enjoy. And then yeah. nine hour bus ride sounds overwhelming, honestly. Yeah. You won't believe how many times I heard country roads take me home. That's a lot. Is there a lot, a lot of, of different types of people, ethnicity and gender. gender. See, I think for me, I joined it because I liked cross country, but also because I think for me, I grew up surrounding myself with a lot of like Caucasian whiteness. So I was very used to that. And going there, I was like, I felt very comfortable around everyone. But I did realize that there's not a lot of diversity just in distance running in general. And mm -hmm. I at least at the races that I've been to and on my team there's not too much diversity and I think that's just maybe just Penn State as well not having as much diversity I can't really like badmouth any of it though because I really do like enjoy and love everyone on the team it's just something that I came to realize as I started to like come a little bit more into my Asian American identity but yeah I've met a lot of great people that are so open to learning about different cultures and actually want to listen to my adoption issues like identity issues which is so mm -hmm. cool because I never thought that people really would 
care about that, I guess, in a way. So diversity definitely is something that I've been focusing on in today's world as well, politically. I joined the Diversity and Inclusion Committee for NERCO, which it's what manages all the club running teams across the United States. So I joined their diversity and inclusion team, which has been really great for me to just try to help those who feel like they might not be heard within their teams and try to increase diversity. It's hard. You can't just force people of color to say, hey, go distance running, but you can work on making it a better environment. For sure. A good segue into talking about Asian American identity, because you mentioned earlier, you do have a podcast as understanding and really wanting to explore more about your Asian American identity. Yeah, so Penn State was like a, a shock, a culture shock in a way, because it's not not diverse. It's just everyone has to find their niche. And that's just what it is at a big school like Penn State. So when you're more comfortable around people of color, you're going to stick with those people. And so there's a lot of diversity, but there's not a whole lot of cultural integration when it comes to talking to people who are different than you or just getting outside of your comfort zone. So for me, that was difficult because I didn't know which area to fall into. Do I join the Asian sorority and then have my whole friend group be Asian? Do I stick with the Club XC stuff and have a little less of a diverse friend group? So for me, that was pretty difficult to think about because my roommate was also adopted from China, so it was nice to have someone at the end of the night who I could be like, hey, did you feel like at the involvement there, they're specifically targeting you because you're Asian? And she was like, yeah, I think so. As I went on, I'm really thankful that I found friends that I could fall back on and be like, hey, this is how I'm feeling right now. And I didn't have to pretend to be white. I didn't have to pretend to be Asian. They just accepted me to how I was. I remember I interacted a little bit with an Asian sorority. And there, I just felt like I couldn't tell people that I was like less Asian than I was. So freshman year was kind of like a identity mess, if you will. But sophomore year got a lot better, figuring things out, had my friends. And then junior year and in quarantine as well, or I guess at the end of sophomore year and quarantine as well, I got to reflect a little bit more about my Asian identity because I feel like I kept pushing it away. I was like, oh, I'm not that Asian. Like, that's that's not really a big part of who I am. And then COVID hit and the whole, I guess, racism against Asians started coming up as well. And then I realized, like, I'm Asian. Like, And I'm pretty fortunate that the people around me won't be racist, but I can't say the same about anyone else who's experiencing something right now. So I wanted to create, I guess, a podcast because, I don't know, I'm a media person, I thought it would be fun to do. Just letting other Asian Americans talk about their transition into college so that they don't feel as lost as I did and just sharing tips about what it's like to be an Asian American adoptee in school or just in any transitional period. I have a lot of friends of mine too who follow it and they're obviously not adopted from China, but they learn a lot, which is really nice. So either like interacting with me or interacting with another Asian American adoptee, they're just aware of what they may or may not have gone through. So just bringing awareness and voices to adoptees is just something that I became very interested and passionate about. I found this little Asian adoptee traits Facebook page, which was so much fun. I met so many great people there, making connections across the world, like people in the UK, people in Australia, in the United States, Canada. It's been really 
really great. So your roommate freshman year was also a Chinese adoptee. Were you guys randomly assigned together or did you know each other before? Um, so when you're accepted to Penn State or I think any school, you can like join the Facebook page and find other people who are looking for roommates. Uh -huh. So I put my little blurb out there and then I saw my roommates like in the feed and I was like, hmm. I don't want to like say her name, but it was like a very like Americanized name, but she was Asian. And I was like, <laughs> so I did a little digging and I was like, I think she's also adopted. And so I reached out to her and um, we ended up being roommates, but I told her, I was like, I could tell. And she's like, yeah, I could tell too. <laughs> you can just tell when people are adopted. Um, but yeah, no, we, we chose each other in that one. And I think it was nice because we were both sort of going through the same thing and just someone to talk about at the end of the day with. Oh, that's so cool. You actually interview her on your podcast too, didn't you? Yeah, and it was so insightful to see like how far we both come in our like identities and just college careers in general. Like she's in such a better place, I'm in a better place, and it takes time. I don't think that like I think that if people do have like identity issues going into college, it really sucks, but I think it's a good time to reflect on what you've learned and how you can change other people's perspectives on adoption i didn't even know about these resources i wish so everybody who is in that age range of going into college or even i think in your first two years your podcast sounds like it's a very good resource i'm like on a little bit of a break right now i've been slapped by score but it's just because midterms are gearing up so i'm hoping after that things will be a little bit calmer and i can start making things again because i don't want to I really like the podcast, but I think another thing that I want to do is feature a lot of these resources that I've been learning about, mm -hmm. sort of Asian adoptee trades, or like the different podcasts that I didn't know about, or the books, or the movies. So just having it sort of be like a resource, I guess, even if you're not adopted, because I know a lot of my followers are people who aren't adopted, informing them about this whole generation of people that are here. I agree. I'm not sure if I've found a specific, especially like towards Chinese adoptees, I guess, too, but like all these resources and films, you see them scattered in different areas, like if it's mentioned in an article, but I don't know if I've seen like a general like central hub yet. Yeah, that's my goal. Once the midterms are over. So cool. Yes. Okay. That's really good to hear more about how you decided to start a podcast it's really interesting to hear you talk about this experience too did you apply anywhere else other than penn state for university yeah so i applied i'm gonna name drop because i don't care anymore i was so bitter about it <laughs> so my top two schools were syracuse and george washington and syracuse because it has one of the best communication schools in the nation so i guess i'm not too bummed about not getting into there they accepted me to their liberal arts school and then I contacted them and I was like, hey, is there any way I could like transfer into the communication school? And they're like, yeah, but it's really hard. And I was like, all right, I'm not even gonna bother um, <laughs> because the tuition was so high too. I was like, if I'm, there's not even like a solid chance that I will, then I'm not sure. And then with George Washington, I got in, but that was just a lot of money. College is so expensive. Also, I just don't know if I'd I think about it now retrospectively, and maybe this is just me trying to make myself feel better about not going, but I just don't know if I fit in with the people that are there. Mm -hmm. I feel like Penn State is really nice in that there's so many different people that you can interact with. You can interact with a bunch of people who were raised in central Pennsylvania or from Pittsburgh or from Philly. My roommate's from Boston. So not that you can't experience that at GW. It's just, it's a smaller group of people 
very focused on being in DC and Penn State is you can really make your own little niche. JW is a little bit more immersed in the city too. Yeah, yeah. I thought I wanted a city environment, and now I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania, and I, it like I thought it would suck, but honestly, it's so nice just being able to be in a bubble for a little bit, like wake up to the mountains and just sort of slow down. Because I did, I was raised in a pretty like urban suburban area. It's sort of great. I went back to China to adopt my little sister. I was four at the time, so I don't remember too much. I remember some things just because it was so much happening at once. How could you not? I didn't remember flying first class. That was fun. But yeah, we went to get my little sister. I remember we went back to my orphanage. I was able to see my foster mom again, which was really great. I know a lot of adoptees that I know haven't been able to do that. She gave me lychee nuts. This is all very retrospective. I'm trying to like think, dig in the memory bank. But yeah, I remember being able to visit my foster mom and she told us that she just stopped fostering children. She started working at the orphanages more just because she couldn't handle like saying goodbye to so many babies. And yeah, and I really would like to go back. I mean, and whether that be for my major for international relations or just to see where I'm from, I think during quarantine, I developed this like really big urge to travel I really want to experience things outside the United States and obviously that can't happen now but maybe post-grad going to China or going I have this weird obsession with Norway my friends would laugh at me if they heard me say that but I, I know my parents don't necessarily want me going back to China yet just safety mm-hmm. concerns I guess and I think that's a very broad like stereotyping the country but I do understand their concerns also, financially, I think I'd need their help as well. But um, I really do want to go back eventually. I'm not sure when. You have to see your foster mom? I didn't even know that China had foster moms and stuff. Is yeah. that like you lived with this mom in her home? For my brief understanding of it is that I think I was in an orphanage for a little bit. I know my sister was. And then we got placed into foster homes. So I lived with my foster mom and my foster dad. Apparently I had a foster brother as well. And yeah, they, they like kept me until my parents came to China. Whoa. Okay. okay. Mind blown. Cause I didn't know that was an option. It's crazy. Just to think about how like I had this whole other life before I came to America with these people. I've always wanted a brother. So I guess that's cool that I had a foster brother for a second or so. I've been under the impression that we all grow up in these orphanages. Yeah. I, I was pretty shocked because I learned a little bit more about adoption through like the one child nation as well. And I didn't see too much about foster parents. So I guess I am pretty fortunate to have that. My sister as well, that we have these people who like take care of us before our parents came. A lot of love in the world. Maybe it's based on the particular orphanage or particular area of China. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's also like a concern about like being a woman and traveling to China alone and so if I were to go back then I'd go with like a group or with my family I see in like the subtle Asian adoptee traits people going back no problem and so I think it's just my parents and I I don't want to bash them because I love them I think they're just a little overcautious about everything but I know my youngest sister she's a lot more angsty than I am and she's really been pushing to go back to China 
So I'm sure it's coming down the pike. When, I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but Ellen will make it happen. Common knowledge everywhere, or good advice in general, but use your common sense. Yeah. Because no matter where you go, even if you go back to Norway, have you been to Norway? Or... Oh my gosh, I went to Norway for vacation. Loved it. My roommates always make fun of me for that. Is it the culture, the people, or the area? I think the people, and then I... I mean, I went there as a tourist, so I'm not 100% sure about, like, their whole, like, living situation, but it just seems a lot more laid back than the United States, and I was able to see both the city and the countryside because we traveled by train from, I mean, at Bergen to Oslo, we went from Bergen to Oslo on a train, and so that took us through, like, the fjords and the different mountainous areas, so I don't know, something about it just I really enjoyed, and I remember... I was so annoyed at my family because we went, we visited a bunch of different countries in Europe and I was just so annoyed at my family at the end because I went to Norway at the end. I was like, I'm going to go on a walk. And so I just went on like a two hour walk around Norway and um, Bergen and it was, it was so peaceful. It was so nice. The whole community is just so cool. Like it was a little overwhelming at first, but in a good way, like just finding all these different things like your podcast and then the Facebook page and then CCI. It was like mm-hmm. a lot to take in, but also it was really comforting to know that all of these resources exist. Whoa, did, did you find all these resources recently, like in the pandemic, pandemic or before? During the pandemic, I oh, found hi. I found one and then they just all kept coming down. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, it was really cool. But also, I like found, I think your podcast was the first one that I found. I was like, oh, cool. There's like another adoptee podcast. And then I found, I heard you talking about Subtle Asian Adoptee Trace. I was like, oh, I'm in Subtle Asian Traits. That must be so cool. And so I joined uh-huh. Subtle Asian Adoptee Traits. And then I went on a few of the Zoom calls and met so many other people. And then I found CCI. And then I found like CCI Adoptees group. And it was a lot, but it was really great at the same time. Like, I don't know how to word it because it was for like a week I just sort of sat in bed and like was on my phone like scrolling through all these different things but oh my gosh I'm impressed impressed. that's That's a lot lot to take in within within six months I've had probably over the span of two and a half years three years to join the groups and then slowly (laughs) subtle agent adoptee traits was mentioned to me by another adoptee who I interviewed so it's cool that the the resources are sort of like connecting everybody like oh we're talking about this one and then they find that and everybody finds it so courtesy of maybe Shelly. She was actually one of the first people I interviewed. People have actually started dating because of that group too. So. I heard. I know. <laughs> I'm a romantic so I was all over that. I was like oh that's so cute. That's so sweet. I think there was like one Zoom call after one of the couples had visited each other. I was like can I be put in the room that they're in just to <laughs> observe and creep? It was really cute. I was like that's really yeah. nice that people were able to connect because at the end of the day like the adoption is a huge part of what we are, who we are, and being Asian. But at the end of the day, it's like we're all just people, and being able to find another person that you can be compatible with is really Social nice. Social media is so cool. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, oh, it's so sweet. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I always ask. Is there anything you would like to hear from other adoptees or people who adoption is a big part of their lives? Yeah, I guess like hear from them or just hear about. Yes, both. both. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing for me is that transitional phase. I know everyone's upbringings were different when it comes to their Asian American identity, their adoption identity. 
but I just want to know more about how they handled that transition. They handled their this idea of like having a completely different culture that you used to be a part of and now you're part of the American culture. I'm just really fascinated by that because that was such a big part of college for me. I mean, where I am now, it's a big part of who I am because I'm still figuring that out. And I'm still like, I think part of that for me has been like through cooking. I've been cooking a lot of like Asian inspired dishes. So how people are connecting with this heritage. Because for me growing up, like I love my parents, but that wasn't a very big part of, I guess, who I was. Like I was adopted and I was Asian and that was that. But as far as like heritage went, like we would celebrate Chinese New Year and we'd get like Chinese takeout. Um, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until college that I realized I have this whole culture of like this person of who I am that like I can really dive into. So I, I just love hearing from people about how they experience their like identity. Oh, and your sister's also really lucky to have you because now you can you can help her and guide her a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, whenever I go home, I'm like, Ellen, if you ever need help with identity stuff, she's like, okay, Grace, okay, I'm, like, I'm here. <laughs> yes, and Grace is a beautiful name. I'm like, thank you. I love it. Love it. It's like Grace is such a beautiful name. There's a lot of Graces that are adoptees that I've met. It's like, oh, I love it. A good friend of mine is also named Grace, who I interviewed too. That'd be all the questions I have. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about, but yeah. Thank you so much for having me on because this, like, your podcast was literally the first one that I found out of like the adoptee resources. It's like, oh, adopted babies from China. That's pretty cool. And so I was like listening to it. And then, yeah, like I said, it it caused me to go into this whole, like, spiral. I feel like spiral is a bad word, but spiral of, like, all these different resources. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you for everything that you're doing. It's been really cool. Well, thank you for sending me an email. It's like, can I come on? I'm like, yes, I love it. Because that's <laughs> the whole purpose. Oh, well, yeah, speaking of your podcast, go ahead and share your socials. So, like, your personal and your podcast ones. Okay. My personal Instagram is at gracetom underscore. Um, I used to have Tomlinson, but a bunch of One Direction accounts started following me, so I just took away the Tomlinson for Louis Tomlinson. Oh my gosh, oh. that's such a fun story that I like to tell people. I'm like, I had to take my last name away from my bio because One Direction accounts started following me. But I digress. Oh. And my podcast Instagram is at madeinchina-ish underscore podcast. Well, I always like to say goodbye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ABC. You can reach us at adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Facebook and Instagram if you would like to share your story. Bye.